0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Spark Sessions podcast. Today we are excited to introduce you to Roger Saclupe, who is a clinical assistant professor and BSW director at the School of Social Work at UNC Charlotte. I get to work with Roger every day and I've known him for quite some time. And um, he's just a really strong, incredible advocate and social worker. And today he's gonna share how he bridges the gap between the work that he does in the classroom and the work he does in the community. So here's Roger. Welcome back to Spark Sessions Podcast. Today, we are excited to have with us Roger Ciclupe, who is an MSW, LCSW, one of my colleagues and friends. Welcome, Roger. Chris,
1: yes. how are you, Michelle? How are you doing? So glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks for coming. It's good to see you in different spaces. Yeah. Really happy to have you. And Roger
0: is the current, uh, a current clinical assistant professor and the BSW program director at UNC Charlotte School of Social Work. So, I have the pleasure of working with Roger every day, and I'm really excited to hear his take on bridging academia to community work and how he does that in so many different capacities. So, Roger, you'll remember that we talked about focusing on social workers as bridge builders this season. And uh, so, our first question for you is How do you see your work in academia associated with your work outside of the classroom? So, what are you doing in the community, and how do you? associate those two
1: things right that's a great question so first and foremost I I, am a social worker at heart and that's um that's been my path and I just fell into academia was I never thought I would be in academia I never thought I would be a professor let alone the BSW program director but here I am and so I'm really grateful for the path and journey that I, I was able to, to walk as a social worker in the community, as a practitioner, as a therapist, and you know, all these different roles that I had back in, in my youthful social work days really helped me um, find my trek in my own journey in academia. And so I was able to utilize a lot of those skills and techniques and relationships that I developed in the community, doing community-based work and then bringing, it in, bringing that into the classroom setting. Um, especially since uh, when I first started at UNCC in the School of Social Work, I taught all the practice level courses in the MSW program. And so it was, re- it was really crucial to bring a lot of that experience and exposure into the classroom setting, not only because I did it, but I was also still practicing at the time and I still am practicing now. And so I feel like a lot of the community engaged work that I've done is, is helping out now that I'm doing more research um, and, I, and I'm embedded more in community based participatory research uh, because it is about relationships in the community and how can you utilize those types of relationships to then bring to life what you are hoping that students uh, acquire in their skill set. But then also, when you talk about research and how do you research with a community instead of on a community, right? And so those are just a couple of examples Um, for the past, my goodness, six or seven years now, I've had the great fortune of being connected with Dr. Mark Haven in the the, um, College of Health and Human Services. He's in public health services and uh, public health sciences. And so within that department, um, he and I have been able to collaborate on a a lot of different community-based participatory research projects along with uh, Dr. Carrie Revens, who is now at Camino uh, Camino Health Center. And a lot of their work is um, engaging the community and seeing who we can identify within the community to then help get the information out that the community deserves to have in order to access resources.
2: You know, I think some of our stories here are kind of the same, right? We all started out as practitioners. We all got into academia, like, After we were in practice for a few years, I was an adjunct for almost 10 years. I'm telling you, I was kicking and screaming with the PhD. It was not my original route. So I'm glad you're here, Roger, because I think what's important is that I don't necessarily know that I understood when I was at as an MSW student, right? Taking the courses, being in the coursework, doing my field work. I don't think that I really understood so much of what I would learn. And being able to bring it back into the academic setting and sort of being on that other end of things. And I'm curious about your, you know, the work that you've done specifically in the specific communities that you that you've done and you've worked with, how do you feel that you're able to serve them better? in the fact that you are and have occupied spaces primarily in practice, and then now more in academic and bridging those? Like, Can you give me some specific things about some of the communities that you've worked with and some of the larger scale issues that maybe you didn't see it the same until you were on both sides of this?
1: All right, that's a great question. So an example is the work that I'm currently um, embedded in with uh, Latinx community, right? And so um, being an individual who identifies as Latinx, my parents are from Peru, so I'm Peruvian-American, really didn't understand what that truly meant until I started to peel back a lot of layers. And some of those layers were personal layers that I had to peel back. But a lot of those layers were also layers that I was able to uh, discover as I build relationships with community members, right? And so that could be anywhere from, uh, I was a school-based therapist um, back in the day uh, when Atrium used to be Carolina's healthcare system, I was Mm -hmm. a a school-based therapist. So again, I had the great fortune of learning um, in the classroom setting, yes, but also a lot of my education came from just being a, a social worker in the field And so I I just had the great fortune of working with families and children at Eastway Middle School with teachers who were who were day to day. They were working with these kiddos and their families. Um, Eastway Middle School is located right there uh, between Eastway and and Central. And so, you know, back in the early 2000s and even now, um, it it was a community that was uh, it's a great community. Um, But it was also a community that didn't have the resources that other communities um, had had privilege to, right? And so just seeing that community thrive in their own way was helpful for me because there's a lot of things that I, as, as a practitioner, thought the community needed. But really, when I got to know the community and was able to understand their needs from their point of view and perspective, I realized that the things that I thought they needed really weren't the things that they needed at all.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: it was as simple as just building relationship, developing rapport and asking questions and being curious because I I was getting it all wrong. You know, here I am coming in with my, um, I'm a newly minted, you know, MSW uh, graduate and I'm going to save everybody. And I thought I knew what people needed and really I didn't know what anybody needed because I wasn't asking them. And so I feel like that's really important to understand. And as, as I started navigating my way through, um, you know, that particular point of my career, I started understanding a little bit better and deeper what the needs of the community are if I just ask questions mm-hmm. instead of guessing and thinking that that's what a community needs. I'm not sure if that answered your question. I just kind of wanted to, to, to bring that to, to the surface. Yeah.
2: No, I think you brought up some great points because I, I know for me being in academia specifically, I've learned a lot of that being in this space where I wasn't able to grasp certain things within the community space when I was in it. And I think that it's just extremely valuable to be able to see that come around full circle and really now talk to your students about and practicing social workers about, you know, these are the things that, you know, you were able that you learned, that you work through um, and those larger issues. But no, that was, that was great. Um, I think that's a lot of important um, context there for
1: sure. You know, I'm, I would still consider myself a, a very a newbie type of researcher, right? Because a lot of my a lot of my, my life has been a social work practitioner in the field. I'm working with direct practice and then academia. So being able to teach, and now um, I'm exposing myself a little bit more in, into research. I'm not as scared about research as I used to be, um, but it's helpful in those realms because I'm utilizing all those skills that we know as social work, these basic skills about curiosity and asking questions and uh, engagement that's um, really coming into play now that I've I've become more of, of a research focused type of individual.
0: Roger, I love that you talked about this, you know, the coin, it's kind of the coined phrase of nothing about us without us, and mm-hmm. how that shows up in social work in so many ways, meaning. You know, we're not called to set goals for individuals and we're not called to fix the problems of communities without engaging individuals and communities to know how they what their goals are. You know, let them, they're the ones that set their own goals and solving problems for communities. It's about solving problems with communities, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding and respecting the fact that individuals, communities, organizations, families, that we're all, exper- we're all experts of our own experience, that it's not on us as social workers in whatever capacity we work to uh, imagine that, that we have all the answers. I think that's a super important point that you made.
1: Yeah, I, and again, it's, it's a learning process still for me. I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers and I never will. Um, and so I, I, I rely on key figures like community members, like individuals who are living this day-to-day, you know, they have, that's where I'm going to find my answers, right? That's where I'm going to be able to learn and develop and sharpen my skills better every day.
0: I actually said in class recently, we were talking about macro practice with communities at the BSW level and how I wish I knew and understood then when I really started um, even before I got my MSW degree, when I was doing social work, adjacent work, I wish I understood that better, um, that it wasn't, it, that nothing about us without us ideology. Um, and just because some, sometimes going in, setting goals, making change within the community without without including individuals in that, can, it can be incredibly harmful and without the intention of harm, but the
2: impact of harm that comes along with it. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking about this when we were going to talk to you, Roger, but it just made something else come up for me that I think, again, with us all being in this space and being able that we've shared both spaces. It made me think about if we are trying to help students really connect these larger level macro concepts right with the community work. it's, it's everything of what both you and Chris have just said. Like we've had to really shift our narratives around how do we do that work? Because it's not about us, like you said, going in there and doing it for them. It's not about us fixing. It's not about us saving, but it's about us um, disrupting the oppression, the oppressive structures and disrupting those larger level institutional um, issues that are causing the problems for the communities. The communities, are they function very well uh, on their own, you know, but again, I think for myself, I not, won't speak for both of you all, I think it's hard to get students to see that because they're in those spaces that we were in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or however long it was ago. And so I know we've been talking a lot about this, but if you have any ideas of like, you know, it's just like a parent telling your child, like, I've been this age, I know this is going to happen, but no, it's their lived experience. So how do we really help our students understand that, that there's different type of work to be done on this larger level? And I teach social justice, justice courses, and I still ask myself these questions, like, how do we connect that for them?
1: I think a lot of that really just is about starting from level one, right, from like the base and in a way, it is about deconstructing some some of these uh, thoughts and processes that we've uh, that that we ourselves went through when we were in you know whether it was in academia or just even in our professional world, right? And so, you know, I always tell students, um, even BSW. So I've, I've gosh, I've I've learned so much as the BSW program director over these past few years. I I had the um, I was, you know, fortunate enough to have leadership that had confidence in me and and to, and asked me to to take that role. And it, I just, it, you know, that's when the pandemic started, like in 2020. It was March of 2020 when I said yes, and then you know everything happened. And so I was, uh, I was unsure. How am I going to navigate this space now with all these unknowns that the pandemic is is bringing? You know, throwing at us left and right. Um, and I had good support, you know. Uh, colleagues uh, like Chris and Amy Peters and a a lot of support around me um, because nobody wanted to see me not succeed, right? And so that was a learning process. I mean, what I learned through that is just being really intentional with our BSW program and our BSW students and having them understand that even, even as BSW students, they are in a position of power. I mean, they are at a university learning, just like our MSW students. And honestly, just like us right now, right here, we are in positions of power, and we need to understand that and recognize that if we're going to make some waves, if we're going to help shift the narrative, then we need to utilize and leverage our positions of power in spaces where other individuals don't have access to those spaces, right? And so when we think about communities, and you know, a lot of folks, a lot of people in communities, especially you know, are at risk or disenfranchised communities, communities that are oppressed, they're not in positions of power to help navigate, you know, that narrative differently. So, but we are. And so being able to recognize that, understand it, recognize that, and being aware and then being proactive, like, how am I going to utilize my position where I am right now to benefit community, to benefit individuals in that community? right? So I feel like that's really important when you talk about community-based practice or community-based participatory type of research. That's what it is. We're utilizing our position and we're, we're going to be intentional about creating positive change.
0: I love that. And speaking of kind of positive change, I, you know, we talk a lot with our students about how social work is, is difficult. It's, it's heart, H-E-A-R-T, work and hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, And that really, when we show up for others, we're showing up to help hold space for them in what could possibly be one of the most difficult times, days, points in their journey in this life. And our responsibility there is to hold that space and have a warm, empathetic place for people to come to where they feel safe um, and they feel respected and they feel worthy. And doing that work is, it's exhausting and it's hard. Um, it's a huge honor it's an absolute honor but it, it does take a lot out of you so I'm wondering like what keeps you connected um, and grounded what keeps you hopeful in doing this work because you're doing you know right now so much you do have still your micro work that you're doing right and micro and mezzo, but you also have these big picture macro projects you're focusing on including things in academia so what keeps you connected grounded and hopeful
1: Man, wow. That's a a great question. You know, I think for me, it's just, um, an appreciation for life and and what I have and not taking for granted the space that I'm in. Right. So, you know, Chris, you're aware, and, and I know some folks who are close to me are aware that I, I, for the past, gosh, I think it's eight or nine years now I've been, I've had the honor and privilege of being trusted by parents, uh, Uh, who go to Kindermorn. So Kindermorn is a beautiful organization in Charlotte. Uh, Kindermorn um, provides support for parents who have experienced the most horrific event and the the most horrific thing in their life is losing a child. And so for for eight or nine years, every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, I facilitate parent grief groups. And, you know, being, it's kind of one of those things that somebody might think like, huh, how can that keep somebody going and connected? But it does because it does, if I lose hope, then how am I going to be able to help individuals rediscover or discover their hope, right? And so going there and and being connected to Kindermorn has kept me connected and hopeful um, because everybody deserves an opportunity to not only have hope, but also rediscover that hope. And you know, none of those parents asked for this to happen to them, but it did happen to them. And for me, it's such an honor and privilege to be trusted in that space, in, in, in that vulnerable space of pain and agony, that we can together just either sit in that space and not have to say anything, or we can hurt in that space, and still not have to say anything, but that slowly that we're not measuring success by, you know, you're feeling happy tomorrow and you're feeling extra happy the next day. It's, you know what, today I was able to, I was able to get out of bed and you know what, that's, wow, that's amazing, right? That's what keeps me going, Chris, honestly. And then just being able to, um, to show up and UNCC and have a, have an amazing job we work for an amazing program. We have incredible students. We have have wonderful students who they're going to be our future. Like I look at all the students in our school of social work and say, like, I'm not going to be doing this forever. So I need to make sure that y'all know how to do this because I might need y'all, right? I might need somebody in this room. I might need an advocate. I might need a social worker. I might need a, You know, some some, one of y'all might teach one of my kids. I don't know. I need y'all to know what you're doing. Right. So that's why it's important. And, um, and yeah, that's what keeps me connected and hopeful.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of I'm, I might need you. So I need you to know what you're doing. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said something very similar in classes before. And I'm sure Michelle has too.
2: Yeah. And I think you also bring up, um, thank you for lifting up like what you did with, you know, the, what you do on the side, let's say the side, but you know, as, we, as social workers, let's, t- like, let's tell our students, like you're gonna do multiple things at the same time. That's just part of our social workers DNA, you know, but staying connected to the community and you started this session talking about that and how important that is. And I know that you all have a lot of the same students there that we also have at the JMSW program and there's nothing wrong with doing private practice work there's nothing wrong with with that but i just need people and students to understand the impact of the community and working within the community and how important that is and as y'all are telling your students that they might be taking care of me or taking care of you i've also had the conversation with them like The fact that you all have been getting this degree like during a pandemic that none of us in our generations have experienced, I expect you to go out there and light this world up, you know, and do things differently. All the things that we have not been able to do, you know, there's nothing that you can't do. And so I'm with you on that, Roger. Like, I'm just like, you know, we need you and I'm glad that you're here. And I love being in that space also. But again, it's that community. It's really that sense of community. And I, I don't know how much, you know. People understand that sometimes I feel like, so I love that you you connected all of that and, and still do work that is meaningful for you and the families that you work with. Thank you for your service in, in doing that for sure.
1: It's an honor. It's such an honor to be a social worker.
2: It really is. That is oh, a true yeah. statement.
0: Absolutely. Hard, but an honor. Hard, but an honor. So Roger, as we're closing out, um, I wanted you to have some time to shout out your podcast and what you're doing with your podcast, um, the Common Good so, Hour podcast. So tell us about hour.
1: that. Yeah. So um, thanks for that. So we'll, we'll have to have you all on too. So my very good friend, uh, Dr. Drew Reynolds and I, um, years ago, had this conceptualization of a podcast. And the, the, the phase one was called the Help in Hands of Our Community podcast. And we did that for about a season or season and a half. And then we um, shifted it and, and it became the Common Good Hour, and so um, we we're focusing in on uh, nonprofit and social sector work. And we did two seasons of that, I believe. And then we took we took a little bit of a break. Um, uh, uh, Drew had some things going on. He's he lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and I had some things going on up here as well. So we just took a, a sabbatical. And just recently um we were chatting and we were like, hey, we're gonna resurface the common good hour and we're gonna, it's gonna be like a, I don't wanna tell you all the new name. It's, <laughs> it's the same name, but a little bit different because we came up of, of, of like a cool little idea. But yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna still focus on um social work, uh, helping professionals and the common good that we're all that we're doing as people, um, because there are good people out there you know, and they're doing, a, they're doing wonderful work. We want to know about it and we want other people to know about it because you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a physicist or a or to, to do good work. You know, anybody can do good work and good work doesn't have to be defined by something astronomical. Good work could, could be something really simple and small and basic. So that's what we're hoping to do. Um, we're going to continue our 80s and 90s spin on it. So we we uh, usually used to, we used to play uh, 80s and 90s trivia, um, but we're going to keep that, that format as well. So we, we'd lo- we love to have y'all on because I, I'm, I'm sensing an 80s, 90s vibe from y'all. You so
2: absolutely you- got one. Chris and I can, can get down with the best of them.
1: So right. <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah. Yeah, so I how can people will.
2: find you? How can people find your podcast?
1: Excellent. Yeah. So you can go to, uh, if you Google Common Good Data, um, it's uh, it's uh, so Drew has a consulting firm as well, and the podcast lives in his um, uh, realm. But if if you Google uh, Common Good Hour, it'll come up. Uh, it, there, if you if you Google Common Good Data, um, that'll come up as well, and, uh, and you can find us. There's we have all the episodes archived. We even have episodes from the Helping Hands of Our Community archived as well. So. A lot of good stuff, we, we talked to a lot of good folks, and not just from the Charlotte region, we've talked to folks from all over the U.S., so uh, which is also pretty cool and interesting.
0: Roger, thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about your podcast with us. And yes, if you're listening to us, then go listen to Roger and Drew as well. Roger, it's been so fun. You're just someone that I admire so much and have known for a long time, and now have the privilege of, of calling you my colleague. So Thank you so much for sharing some time with Michelle and I today and for um, just bringing your your brilliance and your experience to Spark Sessions.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the the platform that y'all are utilizing to get this, you know, things like this out. So thank you guys. I appreciate it all.
2: Are you a social worker that would like to be featured on season two of Spark Sessions podcast or know any social workers who are out there turning advocacy into action? Please let us know. Or just keep in touch. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Spark Sessions Podcast or Twitter at Spark Sessions Pod.